And so the weeks came by, Christmas came and went with me eating KFC alone in my apartment. Super festive. Chioko messaged me on my phone one day with the one word, come. I blustered through a reply, but she sensed the loneliness through the chicken grease on my fingers. <laughs> because on the last day of December, she called me, come. Well, I relented. I walked under that huge Tory gate, those orange or red structures that denote the entrance to a holy place that day, and immediately Chioko greeted me. She led me through the steps of praying at the shrine. You have to ring a bell, clap, bowed. She gave me hot tea. She sat with me. She listened to my hopes and my wishes for the year to come. And I left that shrine that night as the sun, well, it was no longer light. The sun <laughs> was beginning to set on January 1st with my heart warmed and my spirit rejuvenated by Chioko's sincere kindness. She was truly the sun that day. She shone a light in my own little gray world and showed me a whole new world of Shinto that had always been around me, but I had never known. I've been interested in Japan since I knew there was a place called Japan. My high school was part of the bridge to strengthen relationships between the countries, and we had a strong relationship with a school in Kyoto. And many of the exchange students from that school and I became fast friends. We tried on homecoming dresses together, and when I came to Japan on exchange, we tried on kimono. I studied Japanese in college with the aim of returning to the country one day. Finally, as an English teacher, I did. And although I always had considered myself a student of Japanese culture, like eating raw squid is nothing for me, or being naked in a hot spring, that didn't bother me. But Shinto, Shinto was separated by this veil, this veil I felt uneasy and unable to pierce. I suppose my uneasiness is a little hard to explain, but in Japanese culture, there's the idea of the in the house and out of the house. So gaijin is the Japanese word for foreigner, and it means outside the house. You are outside the house of Japan. You are always on the periphery of Japanese culture, even if you know the language and the customs, because it's a monoculture that values its mononess. Furthermore, Shinto, being the native religion of Japan, I felt that this monoculture was even more strict. I didn't want to make a mistake. I didn't want to cause a nuisance. I didn't want to disturb the sacredness. My lack of understanding of the rituals and practices at the shrine was a barrier. I was terrified of messing up. Yet, when dear Tioko took my hand that day and showed me my misunderstanding, her kindness was my first foray into studying Shinto semi-officially. And it was her heart that led me later to Subaki Grand Shrine, where when I was in seminary, I spent an entire month there, not only studying Shinto, but living Shinto under the priest and priestesses of the shrine.
This experience truly lifted the veil for me on a religion many people on this side of the world know little or nothing about. And it's hoping that with my sermon, you'll, know, you'll learn a little bit more. One reason for the veil that surrounds Shinto is that Shinto is really, really old. Archaeological evidence exists from 7,000 years ago of it. Another reason that it's un it is unlike other religious traditions. It has no primary texts. There are no Ten Commandments of Shinto. There is no Eightfold Path. There, there is no concept of evil, only that what is polluted must be cleaned, must be purified. Like Unitarian Universalism, Shinto has no creed, no doctrine, but unlike this tradition, Shinto relies on rituals passed down through shrines, families, and communities. Practices that have been going on for thousands of years. Ritual is the gateway to the sacred experience in Shinto. Constant and consistent dedicated practices of these rituals open your heart and purify your spirit because they connect you to the holy, to the kami, the gods and the spirits we talked about in our story. However, calling them God's spirit, it really simplifies them. And they're actually something beyond that. Let me explain. Kami are the divine. There are a multitude of phenomena that are worshipped and revered in Shinto. There are kamis of the trees, mountains, but there's also kamis of virtue, like kindness and action, like fighting, or dancing, like the ama no utume, the dancing kami in our story earlier today. She was actually the, one of the main kami worshipped at Tsubaki Grand Shrine, Kami, they're not separate from this world. I think sometimes in our Western idea, our Western thinking, we think of God as like some guy in the clouds. Kami are part of this world. They don't reside in heaven or a place beyond us. They're manifestations of the energy of the universe. Some people translate Kami as God, but scholars really argue about this. Kami, they're not supreme, all-powerful beings in the Western sense of God, but are more something that cannot be defined, fragile grasping at translating an experience into English would be divine, holy, or simply mystery. Think of Kami as anything that fills you with awe and wonder. In the natural landscape of Japan, a country full of waterfalls and mountains, vast storms and volcanoes, this is fertile ground for awe and wonder. Here in California, perhaps you might feel this feeling when you stretch your eyes across the Pacific, seeing as far as you can see, or perhaps you feel it in your sensation of your smallness when you look up at a giant redwood tree. That, that is the feeling of Kami. Another uh, way that 
the Japanese meaning of kami challenges our Western ideas of God is the localized nature of kami. For instance, there's not a kami of all the mountains in the world, but instead a particular kami of a particular mountain. So there's a kami of Mount Fuji. Kami are everywhere, in rocks, lakes, trees, the warmth of the fire, the brush of the wind against your face. Nature is truly Shinto scripture. And thus, living in our scripture all around us, the holy is not separate from us. It lives with us. Human and kami have the same innate divinity. For Shinto believes we are the descendants of the kami. Yet the complications of life, our actions, our mistakes, they may diminish us, uh, hurt our hearts, pollute our spirits, and tarnish us. Now this is the idea of kegare, which is a concept that's a little bit different than sin, or there's no judgment or condemnation. It's the idea that you need to wash the impurities away. And as the impurities wash away, so do you improve, and then so does the world. We are at our core as bright and radiant as the kami. For all of us, every single one of us, are part of the creation. Each day in life offers us a million new moments to connect to the divine. Excuse me. Kanagara no omichi is a term that was coined by the late uh, Reverend Yamamoto Yasu of Tsubaki Grand Shrine. And those words translate into the way of the kami or the way of the gods. This, this is the heart of Shinto. Reverence for sacred through ritual is the path, of the, is the path to the world that transforms for the better. Ritual is communicating with the mystical and temporal through the tangible. Living in such a way with reverence for the natural world around you, around you cultivates sincerity in your heart. Such a practice, Reverend Yamamoto states, is not isolated only to Shinto, but is a universal tenet of all religions. So if we think of ritual, it requires three things, time, setting, and space. For example, space. We gather here in this space on Sunday morning. Maybe knowing this, it's no surprise Reverend Yanomoto studied with us Unitarian Universalists here in the States. So, continuing on, when you came to this sanctuary, to this space this morning, you did not expect a disco ball, you did not expect me to give my review of Glass Onion. You saw that this chalice is here. It signals that this is a place for worship, for fellowship, for deepening your spiritual connection with each other and the world around you. Entering here, we are on holy ground. This place is both connected to the outside world and connected to our internal world. And the process, the ritual of worship, surrounds you, changes you. It lifts you up. It connects you to something larger 
than yourself. Awareness of this brings you to live your life according to virtue, according to what's true, what's good, what's beautiful, what is beneficial. So I'm sure many of you have heard that ritual is the key to spiritual practice. I think there's this saying that you have to do 10, 000, something 10,000 times before you become a master. I don't know if that saying is true or not, but ensuring time, setting, space sure helps in creating the right headspace for ritual. So each morning at the shrine, they held a prayer service, and we sat on our knees on tatami mats, and the priest hit this huge taiko drum, and we bowed and we chanted together a prayer to the six kamis enshrined at Tsubaki Grand Shrine and all the kami. Part of our prayer went, we pray that the kami help us realize spiritual fullness. And we began our long prayer with that bequest every morning. The chanting, the smell of trees blowing in from the open doors, and the vibration of the huge drum made this into a place of intention, a holy place of purification. Perhaps you felt this purifying, radiant feeling of sacredness when you're out under a tree in the sunny day or on the beach, or maybe just enjoying a walk with a good friend. Now, everyday existence is ritualized at Tsubaki Grand Shrine. For example, entering the shrine's property, property you have to go to a hand-washing station where you wash your hands to purify your body and prepare your mind to enter the sacred space. Now, the Japanese people have been doing this for centuries, even before COVID. So entering a sacred space is ritualized because you walk under those huge orange Tory gates. You know you are entering holy ground. They tell you. Um, cleaning there is ritualized as a spiritual practice. So everyone, the entire shrine staff, from the head priest to the newest higher shrine maiden, comes together and sweeps and cleans the, the shrine together the first thing in the morning, and also the last thing in the evening. This act of cleaning is an internal purification ritual. As I sweep the floors, I sweep my mind, as the Zen saying may be familiar to you. Similarly, lunch is ritualized as we ate the same meal in the same room every day, making it an intentional part. These ritualizations mark the ordinary moments of the day to emphasize them, highlighting the sacredness of everyday existence and the importance of being in right relation with one another. Much like here, Sunday lunch. Here at <laughs> much like Sunday lunch here at UUCPA. It's a chance for all of us to be together as a community, to enjoy each other's company, to have fellowship, to build connection. We know not every day is a high holy day, but every day is sacred, and thus we should treat it so. So our relationships are within the community. If we live in harmony with each other, it sure helps us to live in harmony with the world and the divine.
Both high ritual and ordinary acts serve as ritual in Shinto. For example, example there was an offering of food to the kami, um, and it can be performed in several ways, in two ways. One, there were legions of farmers who would till and farm acres of land for Abutaratsu, who, who is one of the most revered kami in Shinto. Or, you may have a shrine in your home and you put a little bit of whatever you're eating for that day and you offer it to the kami of your house. This ensures that the divine is accessible to all. Omamori were protective talismans that are many rituals whose purpose are to connect the, the human to the sacred. Now, they are often sold in shrines. They protect the holder against danger, shield them on, your, on their journey. They grant good health, good grades, maybe luck. Another way in Shinto to connect to the sacred is through petitioning. You can write your prayers and wishes on a wooden board. This manifestation of the board can, can be complex or mundane, just like any prayer in the world. And then you hang it up outside the shrine. Now, people have many, many reasons for writing these. For example, one family devoted an entire day to travel to a shrine far, far from their home. They fasted, they abstained, they didn't go to any tourist shops, they didn't have any fun on their way there. They went to the shrine, they wrote their petition for a wish for their daughter to get married, and then they put it up. Another example is another woman went to her local shrine, she grabbed a board, she wrote on it, I want my boyfriend's intention to increase. And she ended her writing to include, after all, I've laid out 500 yen for this thing, so it better work. <laughs> the relationship to the mystery is obviously very personal. And somebody may practice aesthetic practices like fasting to show devotion. Others find the holy in something tangible, something practical, more so, while the practices before writing the email or buying a talisman may be personal, the wishes written on them are displayed for the entire public. Everything from wishes for looking to love, to struggling with addiction, to suffering from health issues, they're all displayed publicly in the shrine. These boards not only establish a relationship with the kami, but also with the community. An, individu an individual's concern becomes the concern of the community. Now, while these talismans and boards may be considered superstitious by Western minds, they're tangible evidence that the connection to the kami is relationable, that the holy is accessible, and more so that the holy listens to humanity. Whether or not the kami follow the will of humanity is another story, but we know that the humanity is not separate from the divine. It's part of it. I was wrong when I came to that shrine, that New Year's Day so long ago. I thought Shinto was unknowable. It was uh, too complicated for a foreigner like me to understand. But Shinto at its heart is truly simple. It's living with intention. 
It's living with respect. It's about being with, in right relation with each other and with our natural world. Ritual serves as a stepping stone to cultivate this mindset and repaying our spirit with the flow of the universe. Like cultivating any new habit, it may be hard at times, joyful at others, but with discipline and focus, it opens your heart. These rituals remind us that we are part of something larger, something beautiful. We are part of the grand story of Earth, of nature unfolding unto itself. We are part of that saga of awe and wonder. The world is so sacred, and so are you.